have this strong of an effect, mm. but uh, we, we were hoping that he'd have a, a positive effect, and he certainly did that. So I hope he stays on next season. Yeah, and uh, as you just knocked over the M&Ms ever, right, Chris, we'll talk about our flop of the season, as that's the flop of the season podcast, and all the M&Ms gone. Um Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to FPL Apprentices Season 2, Episode 43. We are back for the last time this season. It's the morning after Chris's first night out. How are you feeling, Chris? Uh, not feeling too hungover, Tom, which is good. I mean, uh, class four units from me last night, and uh, I was feeling the effects of it already. I'm not exactly a drinker. Um, but yeah, here we are, Tom, on a lovely um, late May afternoon, recording together for the first time. Since the first episode this season, where we recorded at your house as well, that was an exciting episode. We got a round off, keep the keep the the, the tradition going. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to this one today, Tom. We're going to be going over Gamic 38. Um, briefly, we don't want to touch on it too much because it's in the past, but we just want to mainly just talk about the the main things uh, that have come from it, and just generally, it's going to be a season review today. Uh, we're going to be talking about our team a little bit. And just in general about FPL, lessons learned and these type of things. Um, so it's looking like it's going to be a very nice episode, Tom, to round off the season. Yeah, yeah, we had to uh, end it how it started, in person, like you said. Um, but yeah, let's not faff about it. let's get straight into it. Chris, uh, how did you end your season? Your, we're going to see your Game Week 38 score and your overall rank. So I came into Game Week 38 sitting at 70k after a bit of a topsy-turvy season. Started off well, 100k after the first few game weeks, then dropped to 750k, back into the top 100k. And I, I was fluctuating from about 80, 70k for the last few game weeks. And I go into this one wanting to just take a few risks to at least give yourself the chance of pushing up into the top 50k. And uh, I took a minus 8, Tom, a minus 8 that really didn't pay off. Havertz out, Rafinha out, and Richarlison out, who he knew was not going to play because he was injured. In for Tony, Diaz and Barnes. So a very unsuccessful group of transfers, which saw me drop to 77k. But I really can't be too disappointed with that. My captaincy points especially have let me down this season. We're going to talk about that more later because it's a huge, huge part of FPL. That's really what let me down this season. But I was pleased to end in the top 100k. Not a bad season from me at all. And I'm confident that I can take lessons from this season. I'm really going to push on next year. How was your season, Tom? Yeah, no, yeah, the, a big improvement from uh, our first season for you last season um, with us podding. So that's good to see. Uh, I ended on a, I ended on a high. Um, obviously, I've been playing catch up since the start. Was about below the bit out of the top one mil for at least twenty something game weeks. So I've been trying to play catch up. I finished at three hundred and forty two k overall, which isn't great, but considering where I was, quite happy. Uh, score of eighty two this week. Um, the Tottenham boys doing the job, Captain Kane, Son and Kulazeski, Madison. I brought in Barnes. Um I brought in Barnes and who was my other transfer? Barnes and Origi, who I bench for uh, Pookie and Elanga, because I knew Tottenham would keep a clean sheet. Um so yeah, again it's sort of a season to forget and move on, but I'm glad with the way I finished and I pushed on. Um and like you said, I've learned a lot of lessons which will not be made again at the start of the season, so I'm in a in a good position. Um, now let's look at our our team. I'll run us through 
our joint team. Now we set the goal to top 250k, and we went into the game week at around I think 165k or something like that. Yeah. Um, and look, it wasn't the best week. We uh, we had a bit of a panic. Uh, the deadline came really quick. There was lots of team news, team news out. Stuff was true. Some stuff wasn't. And we we nearly missed the deadline, so we had to make we made our transfers on the deadline basically, uh, and we sold Havertz, which, which wasn't great, and we sold uh, Coutinho for Bowen and Diaz. We got a total of four, um, so we got a game week score of sixty, and we finished one hundred ninety two k. So sixty fifty yeah sixty k places above what we aimed for. So. I think as a whole and, and as a season, we've got to be very happy with that, wouldn't you say, Chris? Absolutely. I mean, so few people have decided to, to do FPL as a joint venture. Most people obviously just do it solo. Um, and it, the different challenges come up when you when you do it as, as a couple. And it's, it's definitely... <laughs> Chris loves the word couple there. Uh, made, him, made him laugh there, I think. So I just got a few things going on in my head. Um, and recording together is a challenge we haven't really had for most of the season. Um, normally we're, we're, we're you know, calling from our own houses and we do these episodes and we don't get distracted by each other. But today, um, being 18 year olds we are, we're having a few difficulties, but especially on my end. But yeah, um, so th- this season, Tom, I- I'd like to mainly start us off with um, captaincy because I think it's been a huge part of... Um, this season for me especially um, I've had a lot of very good game so I've got in the top 100 200k game week rank and I've still um, you know I've got a little green arrow but I haven't got a big green arrow because my captaincy's let me down I've had big fails with Havertz captaincy at home to Norwich when Salah got the 24 pointer Dennis captain minus one Aubameyang captain minus one and in total I've ended up with about 560 captaincy points 570 captaincy points over the course of the season and that's huge because if you look at someone like even our team got about 650 captaincy points that's 100 points difference and I've still beaten our, our own team so I think captaincy has been absolutely huge Tom, and it went wrong in a lot of places for me this year yeah yeah I mean I don't know the, the personal numbers of my captaincy but I think I did better than you as well and it's interesting obviously you still finish with a decent rank um, but it does show how important captaincy is if you want to push into that Top 10k, um, and I think look, we have our we have a good friend Josh Kersey who won the FPL Apprentice League and Cup. Congratulations to him. The trophies will be on their way soon, um, and his captaincy is ridiculous. I think you said he was what like 20 off the person first with his captaincy points or something. Yeah, I mean, I looked up the the guy who won FPL overall this season. He got about 780 points overall from his captaincy, and our friend Josh who when our FPL Apprentice Cup and League got about 750 or 60 something along those lines which is absolutely huge and when you compare that to me on about 560 there's 200 points right there uh, you know add 200 points to 77k and I'm looking at the top few k in the world you know so captaincy could have it's broken my season to some extent but uh, the rest of my team's almost compensated for it but it really does demonstrate the importance of making good, sensible, uh, educated captaincy decisions, Tom. Yeah, um, and like, like we're saying, our good friend Josh Kersey finished in the top 7k, and he's always a master at captaincy, and, and one thing we were looking at is he does play it quite safe, like me and you like to gamble a bit, and and maybe it is just 
play it boring. I don't know. That's it seemed to work for him. Um, so again, that's something interesting and something to think about for the start of next season, because captaincy is huge. Like you said, you can get fifty point swings in a game week if you if you nail the right captain. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that you're you're going to want to work on personally, and we want to get to the top top level in our team as well. Yeah, I think one great example of this is um, so. In the round game at 22-23, there was a double game with Bowen, and Bowen got the 21-pointer away at Palace and Norwich combined. And I think the week after, Fernandes had a double game week, and he ended up playing the centre-forward because Ronaldo was out. And in that period, people captained Bowen, then Fernandes, and got 80 points from captaincy over two game weeks. And I think in that period, I ended up getting something like 20 captaincy points. Mm. So that's a 60-point swing in just two game weeks, and that, that really harmed my season there. So it's a great example of captaincy. And I think, yeah, there's there's been points. Obviously, Salah's got a hell of a lot of points this season. So on. there's been a lot of big point scores. And back in Salah, especially in the first part of the season, was a very sensible idea. Obviously, he had that massive 26-point double game as well. Um, but I do think uh, next season, I'm going to keep on having this, um, this attitude towards captaincy of taking risks. And I think sometimes my risks haven't been... The smartest, but I think I got unlucky at points this season, especially for example, Aubameyang when he got minus one points at home to Newcastle, missed the penalty, missed the great chance, had a goal ruled out. You know, there's easily a 30 point swing there if things go my way. So I think in order for me to have the most enjoyment um, from FPL, I need to take these risks with captaincy and I'll continue to do them. I will just try to make sure that the risks are a bit more educated next season in some cases. Yeah, no Bamiang minus ones next season, please. Um, <clears throat> quickly, whilst we're on the sort of topic of that, I will just reveal the, the top five standing in our league. Obviously, like we said, uh, Big Man Small Fence won the league and cup. Uh, second, Stora Stigger, Dykern, Eric Norden, who's been right up there all the time battling. Um, third, Tati United, Wesley Freitas. Fourth, never say Neves, Josh White, who's been on the pod before. And fifth, he pipped you out of it, Chris. He knocked you out of the top five. Go, go, Galini, Ihan Hussein. Um, and looking at the, the league in terms of uh, sort of comparing it, we've had 10 people in the top 100k. So look, I think our league's quite competitive. Um, and really, the top 100k is where you want to be aiming for, especially as the seasons get harder and harder. So, you know, I think that's quite impressive. So I'm, I'm definitely happy with that with our league. And, congratulations to all them finishing high um, and we'll be looking to expand the league more next season and hopefully get some more challenges as well so we don't have uh, someone winning the league and cup but yeah congratulations again to big man small fence um, shall we move on to the next part Chris yeah I think we we turn our attention to to game week 38 and what made or made or broke that that game week for most people um, starting with Arsenal Tom I mean there wasn't too many um, FPL points in this game very you know although Arsenal scored five goals the, the assets weren't very highly owned um, and Ketia who ended the season strong getting a goal um, and Saka only getting an assist but Martinelli an interesting option who got a goal from the penalty spot which um, I remember Saka away at Chelsea took the penalty right at the end of the game I can't remember if Martinelli was playing but that cost me a bit on, on FPL but Martinelli takes this one which could be interesting for next season and I think Arsenal could offer us uh, reasonable prices uh, in that midfield next season. I think they will push on next season as well, even with Europe. And from an Everton perspective, really, nothing to take from it. We can't really take this information and apply it to next season too much. 
um, unless there's things like uh, different penalty takers that maybe will carry on to next season. But not too many FPL point swings in this game, Tom. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, look, there was a lot of rumours about the Everton team. Obviously, no Pickford, no Richarlison. They, they, they rested slash rotated because of injury or they were too busy celebrating, probably, saying up. Um, so, look, we knew there'd be points for Arsenal. I mean, they won the game, but they still didn't get top four, so it didn't matter how many they scored. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting in terms of penalties. I think Arsenal will sign a, stri- sign a striker in the summer, um, so that they'll probably come in and take penalties. But, yeah, Arsenal Arsenal bottled the top four, which made me very happy. Um, and, look, they finished... I think, I think when you're looking at Arsenal at the start of the season, them finishing fifth is probably quite good for them. Because, look... Mikel Teta is still a well. He's been there two and a half years, but you don't expect much from him or Arsenal. So, I think you'd say as if you're an Arsenal fan that it's a decent season, um, and it's what you expected. But really, with the position they were in ten game weeks ago in, in the top four, they they have really bottled it. And I'm looking forward to watching the Amazon Prime All or Nothing season of uh, of of their big show of Tottenham stealing it from them. That's going to be very interesting. Watch. Yeah, I think at the start of the season, Arsenal weren't really back for top four, to be honest. And it was only when they went on that brilliant run where people started even saying, pundits were saying, oh, look, if they don't get four, is that a failure of a season? But I don't think you can look at it like that. You know, form naturally comes and goes during the season and they, they caught a good rise of form and they got into a really good position. But you've got to look at it across the whole season and they've done pretty well this season, started off really, really slowly and they worked their way into it. And I don't think Arsenal supporters should be disappointed if, if they remember where they were at the start of the season. So next season, I think you can expect um, better things from Arsenal. Wow, yeah, saying that, but we're going to have United who will be better. Newcastle pushing for top six as well. I don't know, it's going to be a lot harder next season. I think the fact that they weren't playing Europe as well, they have really bottled their chance. Um, and there's a lot of Arsenal fans calling for Arteta out, which is interesting. I mean, he won't get sacked, but uh, it, that's interesting. Um but yeah, no, not, not much more to talk about either of those teams. Again, I think we'll talk about more about them in the in the start of next season's pod when we know the transfers and we're building our first draft. But yeah, I do agree. If their options stay cheap, um, maybe like a Martinelli or a Smith Rowe or something like that, there, there'll definitely be a uh, maybe a time to gamble on them next season. Yeah, and the next game was Brentford Leeds, and I've got an interesting. Um, situation to bring up um, as a result of this game. So I came into this game with with Rafinha in my team and I looked at him and even though I, I knew that Havertz and Alonso were a, a large risk of not starting against Watford for Chelsea, I still was so set on getting Leeds, uh, I was still so set on getting Rafinha out because he was playing Brentford away and I think that was a bit close-minded for me really. Last game of the season, I think I underestimated Leeds a little bit. Rafinha obviously on penalties, another thing that I forgot to consider. And scored a nice penalty and he probably could have got the assist for Harrison's goal as well. Um, but that cost me getting out Rafinha. You know, I, I didn't back Leeds at all going into this game. I really fancy Brentford, but um, wrong decision in the end. I guess football is unpredictable, but I feel like I should have um, stuck with Rafinha considering the, it was the last game of the season and he was on penalties. Uh, but most interestingly, Tom, what I want to bring up from this game, um, from my point of view, is just the general um, decision-making process in FPL. Now, on last week's pod, before game week 38, I was talking about um, Danny Welbeck a little bit as a cheap striking option. He'd been on great form. I think he'd got a return in pretty much each of his last 
four games prior to this game against West Ham. Yeah, he hadn't blanked in the last four games. And um, I made a decision. Okay, probably a slight bit of stress. You know, the, the deadline was ticking down. I didn't have much time to go. And that was partly my own fault. But I decided to bring in Tony, who's pretty much the same price as Welbeck, over him. Even though I was bigging up Welbeck. And I think that was a really poor decision for me. I saw something on Twitter where someone was saying that Tony, you know, he's got pretty decent stats at home last game of the season. Leeds defence hasn't been great. And I think that swayed me and I should have stuck to my guns because I was really talking up well back um, on last week's pod, if you remember, Tom. So it's disappointing for me not to have actually um, gone through with that. But I think that kind of situation pops up time and time again in FPL where you can be swayed by the people's opinions. But this is a prime example where you should just stick to your stick to your thinking early on in the week and, and you know, be re- really stick to the thought process that you have earlier in the week because they can easily get swayed by the people um, and, and other people on Twitter, for example. But um, a great example, Tom, of decision-making in FPL, I think. Yeah, look, I think it's similar for both of us. You know, I didn't. I ended up not gambling on Wilson. He got a brace. You ended up going, gambling on Welbeck and he got a goal and assist. And like you said, that can sometimes be the problem when you wait to make your transfers last minute because uh, the longer you wait to make a decision, the harder it gets and the more swayed you become. Um, so again, I'm sure that'll be a topic of, of of later in the pod or something we talk about at the start of next season. But, you know, I think making late transfers this season, we've realised, has cost us a bit in our own teams and, and in our joint team. Um, but yeah, no, the big talking point from this game is Leeds staying up. Um, they survive another season just about. Fair play to them. Look, I don't think anyone expected them to go to Brentford and win to be honest. Um, and look, it's going to be interesting to see who they keep. Surely Rafinha moves. If he doesn't, again, I'm sure he's going to be in most of our Game Week 1 teams, depending on his price. Um, but yeah, no, fair, yeah, fair play to Leeds. And, and you know, to an extent, I'm glad they're still still up. They play a good, exciting style of football um, and they have some, some good options. So yeah, congratulations to the, to the Leeds supporters and let's see if they can survive next season again. Yeah, I think... Leeds, obviously under Bielsa, were really well known for their um, style of football. And I think Jesse Marsh came in and he almost maintained slightly some of the the aspects of Bielsa's play. But he changed the system quite a bit. And uh, I know they conceded quite a few goals in, in the few games in the last few games of the season. But he, he, he changed their style a little bit. And it just about worked by the end. I don't think we'll see the same Leeds as we did for the majority of this season next year. But uh, I'm definitely pleased from... a uh, Premier League perspective that Leeds are staying up because I think they're just, but they're just. I feel like it's almost better for the Premier League that Leeds step up. Maybe that's an unfair thing to say on Burnley, but just their style of football, especially, it's the type of football that I think we want to see as a Premier League viewing audience, more than the Burnley style. Um, but yeah, it, shame for Burnley have been been up for six, seven years or something like that, Tom. And now they're going down. They're probably Tarkovsky's been linked to Fulham. I, I can't see them coming back up. I have to say. Yeah, no, look, Burnley, they were in big trouble once they sacked Deitch, um, and now they're in big trouble because they're in about 60 million debt to the Premier League that they have to pay now. Um, so I can see them doing a Sunderland and going down again, to be honest. I don't think we'll be seeing Burnley for a while, but that once they sacked Sean Deitch, I, I like Burnley, I wanted them to stay up until they shut, sacked Sean Deitch. And like you said, look, the way they play, it's a bit old-fashioned now. Um and maybe it was time for them to go down. They'd done well. They'd lasted a long time. But yeah, I really don't think we'll be seeing Burnley for a while. And uh, 
and uh, that makes me happy. I'll tell you why later when we uh, when we come to our, our review of the season sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it is a shame for your Burnley fans, but <clears throat> it's your own mistake for sacking Sean Dyche. And it looks like company's been linked to being the manager of uh, Burnley, and that oh. that to me just looks like mayhem. And I mean, he's got no experience. Championships a hard league to go to. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think we'll be seeing them anytime soon. They are in big trouble. Mm. Definitely could be the case that they drop down to uh, League One like Sunderland have done. Um, but next game, Tom, was uh, Brighton versus West Ham. I don't think there's much to say on this. People aren't probably too interested no. in this game. Obviously, apart from the fact that um, it comes down to that decision-making, people would have... Um, I don't think many people really recognise the Welbeck pick, but sticking to your own guns, I think, is an important part of FPL. And having your own strategy... I know this was the last game week of the season, but you know if you make um, decisions late on, you might fail to adhere to to a strategy that you have, maybe a long-term plan. So I think it's normally in your best interest to um, have a plan. If you're going to make decisions late, have a have a plan, plan A, plan B of what you're going to do, depending on team news or whatever. Um, but yeah, good examples of decision-making in that Brighton game, for me at least. Yeah, well, and, and West Ham bottled uh, Europa League, because obviously the United lost, and all West Ham had to do was get a point or a win, I can't remember. And they didn't. So again, they're in the Conference League, um, and yeah, they bottled the Europa League. I think that's the main talking point. But again, look, I think someone to talk about is uh, Jared Bowen. He didn't he didn't uh, score in that game, but he hit the two hundred mark this season at six point five or whatever he started at. It's ridiculous, and I think he's going to be eight nine mil next season. If he's anything under eight mil, he's going to be very high owned in game week one, um, and he's definitely a good option. It would just be interesting to see if West Ham do sign a backup striker. I know they've been linked to a few players for Antonio. But yeah, I, I do think West Ham will be a team that we, we invest in game week one. But we'll come on to that in the next pod in a couple of months. Yeah, and I think another option who could be nice next year is Callum Wilson moving on to the Burnley-Newcastle game. Got a brace, um, one penalty and one nice finish, finishing off a nice team goal uh, against Burnley in this one. He looks like after so many uh, games out due to injury this season, he's going to be nicely priced next season. And he's got that Premier League quality back under Eddie Howe. Uh, I think Newcastle are going to be a very strong force to contend with next season, as they have shown in the second half of this season. Yeah, look, obviously Callum Wilson's on my wall from a while back. And look, he's definitely going to be in a, in my team in game at one night, I think, unless Newcastle's on new striker, because they're looking like a strong force. We'll, 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 we will do an episode next uh, season where we preview um, the season, predict how it's going to go. And I think there'll be a few of us uh, predicting them to finish quite high up. Um, and especially as Eddie Howe as manager, he's been class this season. Mm, and I believe since Eddie Howe came in, uh, not only did Newcastle have some of the best um, defensive records at home, but they also, I believe, were in the top four for points gained in the second half of the season since Eddie Howe came in. So I, I can certainly see that continuing with more investment over the summer. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. They're definitely a team to watch um, and follow for with the transfers they make because they are a force um, and they're going to be a force next season. Yeah. Um, and next game, Tom, Chelsea versus Watford. I mean, Chelsea nearly, nearly not winning against... Uh, a weak Watford team with no Dennis, no Foster, who's now moved on. Mm. Sadly, Ben Foster obviously got the the YouTube channel is quite well known, especially among among the youth in England. 
and he's he's off, which is a which is sad to see the cycling GK no longer at Watford. But I mean, um, Havertz scoring in this one, and again, this is another example of the decision making. We weren't sure if Havertz was going to start. There wasn't really team news that I can remember telling us whether he was going to start or off. It was a, it was a risk to get rid of him, uh, and you were basically deciding whether you think he's going to play or not. And, we decided to get him out on both teams. Do you think that was the right decision or it's just a bit of a 50-50 um, mm. decision? What do you think? Yeah, look, I think look, we ended up panicking a bit. You know, the deadline was coming. <sighs> yeah. when you, it was, it was always a risky decision when you're playing Watford, taking a player out. Um, look, when you look at it now in hindsight, it was obviously the wrong decision at the time. Again, I think it for a minus four, it probably was the wrong decision. If we'd thought about it more, then we might have not made it. But look, we were we were the deadline was was going. We have to do something. Um, so there's no point looking at looking at it now, really. Yeah, and I, not much to say from that. I think Chelsea will be will be stronger next season uh, with Chilwell coming back soon. Um, I think that will make a huge difference because at the start of this season, let's not forget, Chilwell and James were on some incredible form, and Chelsea looked like a real real strong force. And people were considering if they could push Liverpool and City to the to the title. Um, so I think Chilwell coming back will make a massive difference. Yeah, but they're losing Rudiger, Asby, Christensen. So they're going to have to sign a few centre-backs. Because especially if Tuco wants to continue playing five at the back, they need to get some centre-backs in, otherwise they are in trouble. Because they can't be lining up with Saar and Chalaba. They're not good enough. Thiago Silva is staying, but he's not going to be able to play 38 Premier League games as well as the Champions League and... FA Cup and League Cup, so they do need to get, I'd say, at least three centre-backs in, in in the summer. Mm, they definitely need a couple. I didn't realise Azpilicueta was leaving. That might impact the dressing room a bit. Obviously, cut captain for quite a while, mm. um, so that'll be interesting. But I still think those full-backs will offer great value next season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. And Man United, Tom, ending the season woefully. <laughs> but Ten Hag's come in and he looks like he's, he's a man on a mission, to be honest, from the, the quotes I've seen from him. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be interesting to watch next season. I think. Look, it'd be interesting to see who they sign because their squad's still not good enough. But it is going to take time. They're not going to be miraculously good enough to win the league. I think it takes a couple of years. But look, I think there's there, there's going to be players who are options. And with Ronaldo sticking around, I can see him in a few teams at the start of the season. Yeah, I agree. And from a Palace point of view, I mentioned that their home records defensively on last week's pod. But they, they kept another clean sheet against United, which was five home clean sheets in a row to end the season, playing City, United and Arsenal in that run-in. So I think cheap options in the defence next season are going to be um, on offer in that Palace defence. I think we should be getting on them. They've ended this season very strongly, especially defensively. And Vieira seems to have gotten playing really nicely. So I'm looking forward to, to Palace next season. And I do think, you know, you look at Palace... Um, you look at other teams like Leicester with no um, no Europe next season uh, and Brighton playing the way they did in some games towards the end of the season, beating Arsenal, beating Spurs. You've got Newcastle as well. I think we're going to have an extremely competitive Premier League next season. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I think it might be one of the best, most competitive seasons, let's say, in Premier League history next year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And- Look, it's going to be there's going to be a lot of options for our teams at the start of next season for sure. I'm excited. Mm. And talking of Leicester, it's on four one against um, Saints, and I think most importantly, Vardy coming back. I hope he's he's going to be fit enough to play a lot of games next season because he ended this season really strong. Comes back from an injury, and he's flying just like Madison's flying. 
Um, and next season, like I said, no Europe. Leicester are going to be a force to contend with. I'm absolutely certain of that. I think they'll push a lot of teams and they'll really be trying to get to Europe. Yeah, look, it's annoying because Vardy's missed a lot of the season, but he's still got quite a high points tally. And you'd hope he'd get a bit of a price drop, but because he's scored so many, he might not. But if he's at 9 mil or something like that, 8.5, he's going to be a, a good option. And, you know, the, the likes of Madison and Barnes, like you said, there's going to be less rotation um, will be in our teams, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, no, look, Southampton, we've, we've said it all season, have been crap away from home. They haven't actually been that good at home. They've finished one point above Everton um, and they finished off very badly. It's going to be interesting what happens with Hassan Hull. Um But yeah, in terms of Leicester, look, I think we're all going to be lining up with a few in our team at the start. And Leicester are a great team to watch when they are in full flow. Bren Brennan Rodgers gets them playing very well. Yeah, and I think we saw with, with Vardy coming back, obviously he had that large absence in the middle. and In fact, he only started about um, no more than 20 Premier League games a season and he still racked up 15 goals and three assists, which is pretty incredible. But I think we saw in that middle phase where he wasn't playing, Ian Acho and Daka trying to play, trying to, trying to help out the team with goals. And they just don't do the same as Vardy. They're not as clinical, the movement's not as good. So, if, you know, I really hope Vardy stays fit for less the next season. Um, three double-digit hauls in his last four games. I mean, pretty much 0.75 goals per start this season, which is absolutely mental when you think about it. Um, if you pan out across 38 games, he's scoring about 30 goals or something like that. So, incredible output from Vardy considering the injuries and everything this season. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And uh, moving on to the next game, Liverpool winning 3-1. Uh, the clean sheet getting wiped up pretty early. Um, obviously Salah didn't play Salah didn't start sorry um, and we knew that confirmed before the deadline so I think a lot of people shifted him off he still obviously got his goal um, but the, if you, the players you would have shifted him to probably a Sonny someone like that so they would have outscored him um, but yeah no good win for Liverpool but it wasn't enough at the end of the day and the City got the job done um, so it didn't really mean much Liverpool winning 3-1 yeah I think interestingly from a Liverpool defensive point of view um, Van Dijk didn't play in this one and I don't know if it was just nerves from the last game of the season the team wasn't perhaps as free flowing as it could be but Konate and Matip lined up as the two centre-backs and Wolves really exposed that they, they could have got three or four goals in the counter-attack if one final pass was just slightly more accurate um, they really really you know you've seen lots of teams um, attack Liverpool in that way sending balls over the top with couple of fast players up front and being ready to beat the offside trap and I think whether it's a, a Van Dyke thing or just a, uh, you know nerves at the end of the season it was a bit concerning to see Liverpool give up so many big chances in this game um, but a next season could be a different matter obviously no Van Dyke. I'm not sure exactly the cause why they're exposed so much in this game yeah I, I think um, that they still kept 20 clean sheets this year in the Prem um, so like we say before, that's that's a that's a clean sheet at least once every two games. So, with their defensive options, um, they're definitely going to be uh, definitely Trent or Robbo, even a Matip or or a Van Dyke or a Canati. That they're, they're, they're gonna, definitely going to be options for next season. And they they do have these games. They do let a lot of chances go. Like I mean, Allison made four saves in this game. He does make quite a lot of saves, but most of the time they won't concede because of their high line or because they know Allison can save them. But Look, in, in terms of their team, there's going to be options all round. And 
And if they say, it looks like Salah's sticking around for a year, but say a Mane or, or, or even a Salah did leave. But if Diaz gets nailed in that team, he's definitely going to be um, one to one to go, go for, I think, as well. Yeah, and you mentioned the defence earlier, Tom. Uh, one, clean, one clean sheet every two games, pretty much. In the second half of the season, from game 20 to 38, Robertson missed, I believe, six games. So he would have played 12 games or more, and he only failed to get a return once in that time. Mm. So incredible consistency from the fullback, and uh, it's going to be hard to ignore the expensive wingbacks next season in FPL, Tom. Yeah, look, I think I could see Robbo and Trent being priced at the same price next season. There was there was about 20 points in it this season. So it was going to be interesting to see their prices, but yeah, look, you're going to have to pay the money for it, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, Tom, Man City. I thought I thought Villa were going to do it for Liverpool. I thought Coutinho and Gerrard were going to do it. Didn't manage to do it in the end, but City exposed. I mean, bit of nerves from both Liverpool and City, I think, on this final game. Yeah, um, look, I, I was watching Tottenham. I didn't, I didn't really. I knew they were two 0 down. I didn't realize the time and the fact they scored three in five minutes in like the 80th minute or something. Um, but look, they got the the quality players. You look at De Bruyne's pass for Gundogan's third goal, and I mean, look, it's just that's just another another level. And Gundogan, we know we saw it last season, we saw it this season. He's very good at at breaking in, making runs off the box, and we've seen it with Bernardo Silva as well. But look, City got the job done, and I think even at two 0 down, people expect them to get it back to an extent. They're not, they weren't going to bottle it. Um, and again, they kept twenty clean sheets as well. So one of La, one of Laporte or Stones is going to be nailed again because they he always switches. It was more Laporte this season. And look, that as a, as a whole, they're going to be a, a team to invest in. And with Haaland coming in as well, I mean, well, what's his ownership going to be in game week one? Fifty percent or something? I don't know. It's going to be interesting how they price him. But it's very exciting times for, in terms of FPR for next season mm. with we'll City. It's going to be extremely difficult to pick out the right premium. But I think switching between the premiums is something we've tended to do quite a lot, Tom, in the last few seasons. And I think it's got it's got to be something we continue to do because. While sticking with the premium means you'll pick up all their um, double-digit hauls. It means you'll also get all of their low one, two-pointers. And I think there'll be a huge amount of value in switching between them and having a strong, um, cheaper defence uh, and cheaper options elsewhere so that you can just focus those transfers on the premiums. I think that'll be the way to go next year. And with teams like Newcastle and Leicester, hopefully Palace offering cheap options, I think we could be looking at those teams especially Um to provide a solid base and Brighton as well, so that we can focus our transfers on the the premiums. Yeah, look, our first episode back is going to be exciting when we have to build our first team because, like yeah. you said, it's going to be very hard. And I mean, I'm sure that first team we build will definitely not be the one we end with. But yeah, it's it's very exciting times. So yeah, look, be sure to look out for that one. Um, but yeah, final game. Obviously, Tottenham winning five nil, getting the job done. Well, Norwich defensively are terrible. I mean, they are watching them. You can tell they're a championship side. Krull made seven saves. Um, Son got a brace. Kulazewski got a brace. And Kane got his assist. And look, Tottenham set up really well. Um, and look, Conte told, must have told they played a bit differently. Bentoncourt and Hoiberg were making the runs you, they, you want them to make. They were the highest players on the pitch quite a lot, running in behind Kane. And that's what you want to see. So that's definitely something to watch for next season. Um, but yeah, Sonny winning the golden boot with Salah which is brilliant. Son not even on pens. I mean, that's just unreal. And uh, yeah, Kuzeski getting the points. I mean, what a signing he's been. I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to him later. But yeah, Tottenham finishing top four. Um, 
and it's going to be interesting. It looks like that that they have already invested a hundred mil in for the transfer window, um. So it's going to be very interesting to follow. And there's, I feel like the the defence is still going to be pretty cheap, four point five mil, five mil, and they're definitely going to be a, a team to target. I think I can see a lot of people lining up with at least double, triple Tottenham um, next season. Um. So yeah, that's exciting as well. But yeah, no, very happy end of the season for me and. You know, in terms of 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 us doing this pod, and and I got to get to go go to quite a few games as well, and that helps with me being able to uh, give more insight, and and that was great. So hopefully, I can t- continue that next season, and I'll do I'll do a few Saints games as well, and that'll that'll help us get better insight. But no, been a great season personally for me watching games, and and as a whole, been been good. Yeah, and hopefully it'll be even better next season, Tom. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, let's uh. Let's reveal the the res, the prediction game and differential results now. After as soon as this pod ends, Chris will be donating five quid to. Uh, I, if you guys haven't seen, there's a game week thirty nine charity match, uh, North versus South. You know you've got people like um, As from Black Books, you got Surgeon James from Planet FPL Pod, Gianni, all them, and and they're doing a match on Saturday. And there's a um, there's on on Gaffer. There's a like an, you can build an FPL team with them in. Um, which is pretty sick, and and all the money goes to charity. So, look if you haven't already looking to it, maybe make a donation. But it's a very exciting thing, and that, and that's what our uh, donation will be going to. Chris, would you like to reveal the results of the prediction game? Yes. Yeah, so we came into gaming thirty eight. Tom on two hundred and fifteen. I was on two hundred and thirty one. Guest on two hundred and thirty. And like we did on the differential game, we upped the stakes. So a correct scoreline instead of being three was five. A correct result instead of being one was two. And Tom, you had a sterling week, got 20 points compared to Jeez. 10 from the guest. I ended up with 17, which means that you ended up in third place, Tom, but a respectable third yeah. place after being so far off the pace earlier in the season. 235 for you, guest 240. And I win with 248. Mm. Yeah, no, fair enough. And look, I think uh, we've learnt this season, you know, now we've both turned 18 and we've been doing a bit of betting and I think that helps us with our predictions. We, we, uh, we look at it more carefully and I feel like our scores are going to rocket even higher next season and it'll be a lot tighter because the the way we judge them. But yeah, no, it's been good fun. And uh, congratulations, Chris. Um, and the differential game, I mean, look, it's my place to shine. Again, it was five times points uh, and you had Diaz who got two points and I, I got one. So it was 10 and uh, five. I finished on 118, you finished on 119. So a pretty poor effort from you, I must say. 118? 119. And I was on 180. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, so pretty poor effort from you. But look, it's definitely something we're going to continue to. And look, hopefully we take our own advice because we've, we've both picked a, a few big differentials um, and it is good fun. So we'll definitely look to continue that next season. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be one or two competitions added in. Um, yeah, I would like to add something, Tom. Um, so when we, when we do a differential, I think sometimes I've um, almost neglected it in a sense I haven't I haven't thought it through deeply enough, um, and that's why some of my differentials haven't been as strong. But um, if you if we come on to the prediction game as well, generally in the weeks where we really thought it through before we made the predictions, we did slightly better. And obviously, you know, FPL is something we do for fun, but generally if you're going to think about games more, you're going to be able to predict how they pan out. You're going to be able to see um, what options are going to do best, what FPL assets will be, will be the best in upcoming game weeks. So... Look, I think that's something, especially towards the end of the season, that I started doing and trying to really work out how the games would pan out. You know, Tottenham 
versus Brighton at home. Brighton on bad form seems like a great game. But then you've got to consider it's 12.30, Spurs played on the Thursday. You know, all these factors that you should try and consider. And the more you do it, the better you get. So, yeah, that's how I see it, Tom. Yeah, I know, and it's definitely going to be exciting for how we uh, how it goes next season. I feel like they'll both be a lot tighter. Um, and, you know, there may be a, maybe a few new rules we add in or something to make it more interesting. But, look, I think we should move it, move on to the main part of today's pod. And it's sort of like a, if you guys watch Monday Night Football or you would have seen it, Carragher and Neville sort of did a, a review and gave up their player of the season, etc. And we've done a bit of a mix and match with FPL. And we thought it'd be interesting to give it um, in terms of our, in terms of ourselves and our team sort of thing, um, and look if there's anything you disagree, give us a message or send us in your your ideas on, on Instagram at FPL Prentices. But Chris, I think we start with the player of the season, not FPL, but the player of the season as a whole. And I'm, I'm gonna kick it off with my uh, pick, and I look, I think f- for me personally, there's a clear winner here, um, and it's Human Son. Um, he got 23 goals and 10 assists, and look. For a player playing in a in a Tottenham team where they had Nuno as a manager to begin with, you know, and it's taken a while for Conte, Conte to implement, not on penalties. To score 23 goals is ridiculous. Um, and there's it's been a lot of ups and downs. Kane wasn't around for the first half of the season, so a lot was on Son's back. And he's really stepped up this season and, and shown his levels. Um, and look, there, there was I think there was a patch, we both said, maybe two or three game weeks where Son wasn't great. And, and he, he does get the odd bad game, but... He's very consistent and he's always consistent in FPL and scoring a whopping 258 points. So, look, for me, it has to be Son. Um, and I'm shocked that he wasn't nominated by the Premier League. Um, pretty poor there. I think there's a bit of bias uh, in, in my opinion. Mm, now, normally on on podcasts or on chats or whatever, you'll get people who, who say, oh, you know, I actually think this person, another person, for example, right now, I could say, oh, yeah, I think Salah was the best player just because it's different to Tom we can have a discussion but I really don't think you can look past Jim Son this season like you said Tom played under uh, Nuno and got that massive goal against Man City at the start of the season scored some really important goals and he's only missed three games this season he's only not started in three games and in the 35 games that he started 23 goals and 10 assists so that's 33 returns in 35 games almost a return a game and he got almost as many FPL points as Salah, and Salah got 25 points from penalties as well, plus bonus. So I think he's been the standout performer this season. Incredible consistency, um, great fitness as well, not getting injured throughout, this, uh, throughout the season. Has to be some for me, incredible stuff. And really, he should be bumped up to 11.5 mm. mil next season, I think. Yeah, yeah. Look, again, he's going to be a tough player to fit in. Um, and you'd hope he stays a midfielder, I think he will. Because uh, the likes of Salah are, um, but yeah, look, uh, he's going to be one that you're going to have to consider, and everyone's going to have to consider in their teams because he is Mister Consistent, uh, and he's always there to return any points. Um, let's do our, let's yeah, let's do our, let's switch it, let's rotate. So let's do our FPL team of the season each. Now we've each built a team of the season from players that have been in our own teams. Um, I mean, for me, it was quite tough because it's been a tough season, but. That they, look, let's start with our keepers. Chris, who's your keeper for your FPL team of the season? Uh, well, I started off the season with this man and he, he had some good game weeks. So it's um, Robert Sanchez. Started the season, Brighton kept quite a few clean sheets. And, you know, my, my keeper luck has notoriously been quite poor in, in previous seasons. So, you know, it wasn't great again this year, but Sanchez was quite consistent for me at the start of the season. 
and that's all you really want from a keeper, someone you don't have, you don't want to have to change. And that's why I got up until my wild card. So Sanchez for me in goal. Yeah, and uh, interestingly, Sanchez is mine as well. We both started with him, and he was in my game week for a long time. Um, in my sorry, in my team for a long time. And look again, yeah, I didn't get loads of points from a keeper, but he ticked over nicely and he did the job. Um, but I think before we move off, in our shared team, we had Jose Sarr, and, and he's got to have an honourable mention. He was class for a lot of the season, got us a lot of points, um, and yeah, really helped us push on. So yeah, I think without before we could move on, we had to give him an honourable mention. Yeah, and let's not forget his uh, clean sheet and assist away at Southampton. Yeah. 14 points earlier in the season. Yeah. Uh, defence, Chris, I've got three defenders. What about you? Um, I've got four defenders. All right. Do you want to list your first one? Uh, first one, Joel Matip. I mean, he's been class this season in the Premier League. Possibly uh, the best centre-back in the Premier League this season. He's been absolutely world-class, in my opinion. And, and at the end of the season, he's picked up quite a few attacking returns. In his last 10 starts, he's got three goals and um, two assists, which is pretty impressive for a defender. And obviously, Liverpool, with their clean sheet record, he's been picking up a lot of points at a very cheap price. And he's offered... Pro in fact, I think he's got more points than Trent in the last... 10 or so game week, so incredible value from, from Matty, and he's number one in my defence. Yeah, look, I've gone with Trent, for me, I think he's been in there all season, I haven't taken him out once, and look, he has, look, he's still cleared 200 points, so that's huge for a defender, I don't think it's personally been his best season, but he's still played really well, he's had some big performances, and some big hauls, and he, and he, look, he, he ticks over, when he doesn't keep a clean sheet, he gets an assist or a goal, and I think that next season he'll push on even more, and and he's a man that when I'm building my team, he's always going to be first or second on the team sheet. Um, so he had to be in there for me. Yeah, I mean, he started off the season really well. First half of the season, he got the majority of his attacking returns. But in the second half of the season, you know, I mean, the last five game weeks, Tom, he started three and got six points over mm. the course of those five games. So, yeah, it's interesting. It shows that the, the potential is there to make a... A daring switch from Trent to Matip to save some money and it, it paid off for the people that did do it this season yeah no definitely um, my next defender is well this is an interesting one so obviously I haven't had the best season and this defender is more of the, the first part of the season um, and I've gone for Tino Livermento Livermento I can't remember what price he started at I think it was 4 mil or something and look I had him in at the start and he pulled some great um, returns out. I remember his assist against Chelsea for winning the pen. He scored. Um, and look, Southampton were good for a period. We we went up, we went down to Southampton. I went, I think, twice or three times. And look, they've got a good little atmosphere there. And, and they're, they're solid at home. And, and he did get some amazing returns. Um, and I built a lot of value out of him as well. And I thought, look, he had, he had to be in there for me. Yeah, yeah decent pick. Definitely, I remember... Definitely at the start of the season. He kind of tailed off and Saints rotated their fullbacks more towards the end of the season. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris is uh, trying not to laugh as I uh, clean some fluff off my laptop. Um, but, uh, got to keep it cleaned. <laughs> Sorry. My next, your next defender, Chris. Let's, let's hold it together, Chris. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, it's difficult, guys, but I can just see what it looks like Tom sniffing his laptop. Yeah, I'll take, whilst Chris gets himself back together, I'll tell you the third player 
in my defence. Um, you can see we don't do this in person much. We're not, uh, we're not very experienced at this. Uh, my third one was Regulon, and I found it hard to pick a third defender, but Regulon was in mind for a while. He was in there when he scored that goal rebound from, from the free kick. And look, he got a few good hauls, and it sadly came to an end when he got injured. And look, I don't think he'll be around at Tottenham next season, but he did the job, and look, it hasn't been a great season for me. I couldn't really think of anyone else, but yeah, Regulon's <laughs> the man. Yeah, well, I've had some some luck defensively at points. Um, Chilwell at the start of the season I brought in and he was mm. good. Um, I just would like to give him an honourable mention. Um, and it was a shame he got that ACL injury, but especially at the first half of the season, he was very good. Um, Rico Henry as well had. He was one of my Game Week 1 players and he picked up a goal against Norwich. I remember 10 points and he got me a few um, uh, nice returns throughout the season. So an honourable mention from him, but... Um, Jao Cancelo, Tom. He, he's had some. Mm. He's had some big hauls. Um, quite expensive, we know, but you know he's pretty consistent for me throughout the season. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> this is really difficult for me, guys. Um, but the the last the last defender was Ben Davies, actually, Tom. Oh yeah. Now um, this is this was I considered to put Ben Davies down as my moment of the season because mm. a lot of people. Um, didn't really think about, especially Spurs' defence when Conte came in in game week 11 or so. And they started keeping a couple of clean sheets and I brought in Ben Davies before Brentford and Norwich at home. And he picked up two clean sheets and two assists and got a 15 points at home to Norwich when he was practically, you know, not owned by anyone in the whole game. So that was a huge, huge um, return for me. And it was one of those examples of where taking a risk, you know, taking into account good fixtures and the form starting to turn and the signs starting to show themselves. And I took that and I took the punt. And there you go, Davies, 21 points in two game weeks. And that was huge. Um, I think that is a really good example. This is the, These are the kind of um, punts, these are the kind of decisions that we want to make. And they're not going to work all the time, but in this case it didn't. It's one of those reasons that keeps you wanting to, to try and make those riskier decisions. But uh, probably one of my uh, best transfers, if not the best transfer of the season for me. Yeah, yeah, no. I rate that very, uh, very viable pick. Um, our midfielders, let's let's whiz through them. We don't take too long. So I'll name my five midfielders and if there's any that need explanation, I'll give them. So look, first of all, it's got to be Son. He's been in there since game week one. I don't know if I've taken him out. He might have been out once or twice, but not for long. Uh, and then Kudazeski again, I got him in very early when he joined Tottenham. And we'll, we'll, again, we'll talk about him later, but he has been unreal. I'll read his stats out later. Conor Gallagher had a great season and he was in my team for quite a bit of time. Um, Rafinha as well I was looking at it and he was in my team up to a wild card in gimmick 30 I think and look, he ticked over really nicely he's still got the job done and scored some very key penalties I think he scored three in a row in three game weeks um, and look anyway, he was great and the last man's Madison that finished the season really strongly for me and I love the man again him and Barnes turned my season around two seasons ago um, and yeah look I love I love watching Madison I, I think he's had some key um, parts to play in my team yeah, I love Madison as a player as well. Honourable mention for me, I had him for the on the free hit for his 25-pointer. Brought him in for his 13-pointer as well in the final game of the season. In my midfield, I've gone with Rafinha as well, Tom. Only one double-digit haul, which is quite surprising. Because mm. a lot of people had him at a lot of different points. But he was quite consistent throughout the season. Assist the goal every now and again. At his cheap price of 6.5 mil, he was in my team for a significant chunk of the season. I don't think you can... Not include Salah. I should have captained him a lot more, especially mm. in that first half of the season. He's in there. Son, you've, we've already talked about Son Bowen. 
I think Bowen was, was class a lot throughout the season and he got some massive hauls for, for a West Ham midfielder at about 7 mil. And then finally, Jota, I captained him a few times, took the risk. Um, didn't pay off normally on captaincy, but Southampton at home, he got 14 points when Salah blanked. And that was one of those decisions where normally I would back um, the Jota captaincy, but I didn't in this case. I had a good feeling. I remember I had a good feeling a couple of days before this game and I didn't back it. And it come, came back to bite me, but yeah, Jota in there for a four-back, five-in-midfield formation. One up front. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, I, did, I did look at the likes of Jota, who's in my team for a bit, and, and I think, yeah, I didn't put Salah in, but look, he's a bit of an obvious pick. Uh, I've gone with two up front. Harry Kane, he has to be in there. He, he turned my season around. I remember I got him on my wall because I think I got five double-digit captaincy hauls in a row or something like that, and he's been crazy since he, he, he um scored that goal at Liverpool. His stats has been ridiculous, and he's reached ridiculous numbers. Um, ended up ending the season with uh, 17 goals and 11 assists. I mean, look, for someone that basically did nothing for the first part of the season, that's crazy. Um, and look, he had to be in there. And then the second one was Jamie Vardy. Um, had him on my free hit and had him at the start. And look, you know, I struggled with strikers a lot. Pookie could have been in there. Wilson wasn't great this season, but he scored a few goals. But look, I put Vardy in there. He got a couple of big hauls. Um, and and that's what you need from from a striker sort of thing. Um, but I do have, I, I do always have a problem. I found it last season of getting that third consistent striker. I'm always switching them around. So hopefully with with the likes of Haaland, Ronaldo sticking around, we'll, there'll, there'll be three or four strikers that we can stick with and rely on. Um, but yeah, who's your one striker, Chris? Yeah, it has to be Harry Kane for me. Uh, you alluded to his, the difference between his first half of the season form and second half. I've just got some stats to back that up. In the first half of the season, Tom, three goals and one assist. From game week 20 to game week 38, 14 goals and 10 assists. That's 24 returns in 19 game weeks. Absolutely superb stuff. And Son was pretty, uh, you know, he performed pretty similarly in that second half of the season. So um, it came from me up front, absolutely class, the second half of the season. I think we should expect something similar from him again next season. I'm expecting him to stay at Spurs under Conte with Champions League. I don't see a good enough reason for him to leave. So Kane and Son linking up in that Conte, um, under the Conte management is going to be brilliant. Yeah, and Kane probably produced the best performance of the season as well. He's him against Man City. We were watching the game and, and look, it was he was on a different level. Um, and yeah, that's what we can expect next season. He does normally start the season slow, so that's definitely something to take in to account. Um, I remember there was a time where he hadn't scored in August um, for a few seasons. He has broke that curse, but that he does take it slow. Um, but look, he's going to be featuring our teams at some point, I think. Um, next, uh, next thing we'll, we'll, we'll whiz through these. Um, but I think that we've had an FPL one, so let's go for a, a signing of the season slash January signing cross. Both for one each, it's up to you. Well, I think an honourable mention that you probably haven't chosen is Bruno Gimmerich. He's loved by the Newcastle supporters, mainly for the, not not so much for himself, but the fact that he was one of the, the first big transfers, big money transfers from the new owners. And he put in some really good performances under Newcastle and actually scored a lot of goals at a very cheap price, it has to be said. Um, I was impressed by Gimmerich uh, when I saw him this season. Um, in fact... In terms of his goal output since he came in, five goals and an assist for a man that only cost five mil. You know, that's very decent. And he got 20 points in the game week, 33 double game week. So, um, very impressed with him as five mil, Tom. But my, my choice is Luis Diaz um, because 
I just think he, he set the world like possibly one of the best players in the world in the second half of the season for Liverpool in terms of what he did. There's there's some refining that needs to be done. He lost the ball in the in his own half trying to take on players when he should have just passed it. A little bit of refining in that sense, but he is electric, this man, and his fitness levels are unbelievable. Really, really excited to see him carry on playing for Liverpool in the future. Yeah, look, um, I did I did write down Bruno um, as, a, as an honourable mention in case you didn't, um, but I've put my my January sign of the tra- of the window is Kulazeski, fourteen returns, got five goals, nine assists in about eleven games. He joined in game at twenty four, but he didn't start the first one. And he didn't start a couple of others, and that's ridiculous numbers. And he has been unreal. He's completely changed Tottenham, and he's made Doherty and uh, Emerson Royale look decent and look actual footballers. He has he's added great balance, and Tottenham look like they're going to sign him for next season. So I'm excited to see him. Hoping he won't be much more than seven point five mil, maybe eight mil, but um, yeah, no. And I think for sign of the season, you know, Romero has come in, been he's one of the, the the greatest defenders I've seen for a long time playing for Tottenham. He's um he's got great wits about him and he suits Conte's style well. I think Ronaldo's got to have a mention as well. In in a poor United team, he's been brilliant and shown his levels, um, and shown why why he is considered the the best player in the world, um. By some people, yeah, by 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 lots of people, um, but yeah, no, look, look, it's it's going to be exciting. Um, a lot of signings are ready for next season, and a lot more to come. So, this time next season, I think there'll be a lot of names being thrown in. Um, but there was yeah, there was some definitely some good changes and good transfers made for uh, January. Mm. Um, let's move on to our let's go for moment of the season. Now this can either be FPL or Premier League, Chris. You can uh, or if you got both. You can kick us off. Yeah, well, firstly, one one more honourable mention for signing the season is Benton Kura for Spurs. Mm. I think Cooley, Benton Kura and Romero together have made Spurs a team that can compete in the Champions League. I think he was a Rolls-Royce at points. When he played well, things really ticked for Spurs uh, when he came in. So an honourable mention to him. My moment of the season, now I think from a non-FPL perspective, it has to be that, that Salah goal uh, against City. That was just unbelievable. You know, with the the importance of the match at Anfield, taking on some of you could say the best defenders in the world. I mean, he pretty much sat Diaz on his ass like Messi sat Boateng on his ass five years ago. You know, really, really impressive goal uh, when the the goal meant so much to so many people in such a hugely important game. So that was my moment of the season. Yeah, and uh, my non FPL moment of the season. I do have an FPL one as well. Is Bergwijn against Leicester, obviously. Uh, Came off the bench, scored two in the 90th minute, got the third one in, in the 96th or 97th minute. And, and look, I mean, I can't tell you the, the emotion and, and the scenes when it when that went in. But uh, wins like that, you know, you got the one at City as well. Um, they're the reason Tottenham were in the top four. And, and they create, those wins create legacies. And, and yeah, I think that had to be put in there. My uh, FPL moment of the season was when I brought in Bednarek for the double game on a bench boost. <laughs> he got a goal and a clean sheet against Arsenal and they won 1-0. And I mean, look, just them beating Arsenal 1-0 was amazing. But it was a great finish. And I think Fraser Forster um, made so many saves that day. And look, um, when I came back from the train after Tottenham, I think, lost to Brighton 1-0. And I see that, that cheered me up a bit. And, and look, things like that, when they, when they happen in your season, you know, you remember them for years to come. Um, so, yeah, the legend that is uh, Jan Bednarek. Especially as well as he'd got minus two the week before <laughs> on my bench. And I was 
I messaged you. I was like, what the hell am I doing having him in my team? But he, he, he returned. You never doubt him. Do you have a, an FPL one? Well, just one more honourable mention for in terms of non-Premier League is that Spurs-Arsenal game, talking about atmosphere. You were there, mm. Tom, absolutely incredible. And the significance of that um, really being that result, being Spurs get Champions League and Arsenal don't. You know, So I think that was a really, really important game for Spurs and Arsenal, but also a hugely momentous occasion, really. And my FPL moment of the season, um, I've already mentioned him, Ben Davis. I mean, just the, just the fact that he was solo owned, not just by the, the whole game, but by people you know, around my rank, top 100k at the time. So that was really important for my season. And it was just, it was just, it's just really rewarding almost to get such a big differential come, come and return such, with a big, such a big haul. So Ben Davies for me, Tom, how about you? Nah, yep. As I, as I said earlier, Bednarek. Uh, was my FPL moment of the season. Um, let's do our let's do our manager of the season. Um, look, I think f- there's a few now. I don't know how Jurgen Klopp won it as a Premier League manager of the season. He bought, he finished second in a two horse race, um, and it's and he didn't win anything in the Premier like he didn't win the Premier League. So for me, I don't know how he won it. He didn't win one manager of the month. But look, I could say Conte. I'm not going to say Conte because I've spoken about Spurs a lot. And look, Pep's up there as well. I think you've got to give Pep credit. But mine's going to go to Eddie Howe. Newcastle were in the relegation zone. And they've come and finished wherever they finished. And, and look, okay, he did spend a lot of money. But look, you can spend a lot of money and be crap, as we've seen at United. But he really got that team together. He built a very strong force. And look, whenever you went to St. James's Park, you knew it'd be a tough game. You know, the likes of keeping Liverpool 1-0, beating Arsenal. Like losing 1-0 to Liverpool, beating Arsenal, you know. They were a very strong force. And... They're excited for next season. And he only came in at January, but big respect to Eddie Howe, I must say. Yeah, and I think when he came in, uh, Newcastle had either just won one game or they hadn't won a game all season. And he's turned it around completely. As I mentioned earlier, Newcastle were one of the strongest teams in the second half of the season. I think they came fourth in terms of points in the second half of the season. So it turned it around incredibly. And he, somehow, Tom, just like earlier, is my um, manager of the season as well. I think Klopp, in terms of the mentality of the Liverpool players, playing so many games and getting through in all the competitions, winning other competitions. I know that doesn't. I know that it's not the Premier League they've done well in, but it's just a mentality and the fitness and rotating the squad. Uh, I think he did incredibly well, Klopp, this year, and hopefully he can finish it off with the Champions League. But um, for me, it's between Eddie Howe and Klopp, and I think Eddie Howe's just done an incredible job and. Um, I think we said when he came in, we, we were hoping that he'd have this, not this, we, we had no idea he'd have this strong of an effect, mm. but uh, we, we were hoping that he'd have a, a positive effect and he certainly did that. So I hope he stays on next season. Yeah, and uh, as you just knocked over the M&Ms everywhere, Chris, we'll talk about our flop of the season, as that's the flop of the season podcast and all the M&Ms gone. Um, I, my flop of the season is Corne. I've spoke about him before. I brought him in. Tottenham game got postponed because of snow. Tottenham Burnley. He then got three points. He then got injured. So I thought, all right, that can't get much worse. I brought him in again and then he didn't play because he was suddenly injured. So he's been my worst transfer of the season and, and made me very uh, disappointed. And that's why I said I'm glad Burnley are gone because I'll never have to see Corne again in my life, hopefully. Chris, your flop of the season, if you have one. Uh, well, honourable mention to starting with three Leicester players when they had that awful start oh, to the season. Yeah, Barnes yeah. and Birchand and Amati, I think. Bertrand ended up just not playing at all and Barnes hardly got any returns. And in fact, the week that I got him out, I think he got, might have got an assist. And the week after, he got a goal against Leeds, 10-pointer. 
so that really summed up my luck a little bit. Um, so that was, there's an honourable mention there, but flop of the season has to go to Aubameyang captain at home to Newcastle. I remember watching the game and I was just, I was almost crying with laughter. It was so funny, missing the penalty. I think it was a good decision, you know. You know, In hindsight, obviously, I wouldn't want to have chosen Aubameyang because he got minus one points. But in terms of the chances he had, and Newcastle hadn't won a game at all all season at this point, I think it was a fairly good decision. It just completely backfired. Uh, I think I was really unfortunate in this game week, so... Aubameyang, uh, I'm glad you're in Spain playing for Barcelona now and I hope you never come back to the Prem so I don't make the same mistake again. Yeah, he was a one-season wonder um, and, and he was he was rotten away at Arsenal. Um, I reckon we, we move on to some lessons we've learned, Chris. That was a good sort of review um, and, we, and we covered quite a bit there. But yeah, I think some lessons, we'd like doing this at the end of each season. I think we'll, we'll probably, I reckon we'll write out a full list for our first episode maybe, but some lessons I've, I've thought of off the back, um, I think the first one for me, and I think we can both agree, is look, we we have the strategy of, of leaving transfers late. We're not ones to make early with, with price rises, especially later in the season. And look, that's caught us out a few times. I missed the deadline, um, and we nearly missed the deadline game for yeah, and it causes a lot of stress and panic. And it, and it means that look, if we haven't had time to think about it properly, and, and, and we're looking around on Twitter for team news and all that, and our, our judgment gets uh, gets messed up. And the longer you leave things, like Again, the more you the more you think about, it, the more you change your mind. So look, I think next season, I think times when we where we've we've podcasted together and, and we've come to the decision, we just make them um, instead of waiting last minute. Because look, we both have got lots of commitments, especially Saturday morning. I'm normally working, or or if it's a Friday deadline, or and and obviously we'll be we'll be at uni next season as well, and we might not always be able to be on it early in the Saturday morning. You know, we might be we might have been up till three a.m. in the morning drinking, and and you know so. Don't drink an FP hours as we've learnt before. But look, I think it's a tough one and you always want to wait and we always advise it. But look, I think that's something that we've... Uh, sometimes it's unnecessary to wait that late and, and it has cost us sometimes. Would you agree? Yeah, I think having that long-term strategy and just, just backing it, even if, you, you know, if you're bringing in a player that ends up you know, not starting when you want them to start, you're probably bringing them, them in for a good reason. So the week after, there's a good chance they return. So... I think making those transfers slightly earlier when you know you might you might start panicking if it gets close to the deadline is certainly a viable um, thing to do. One lesson that I've learned is um, a team at the start, I think you can certainly relate to this, Tom. I went quite, I went fairly template at the start of the season with, well, you could say Ben Rama uh, was template, but especially for the managers on Twitter and the, the more experienced managers, they had Ben Rama, they had Antonio, they had Fernandes and they had Salah. You know, there was that um, quadruple of, of players that a lot of people had and all of them got double-digit returns. And I ended up getting 103 points in the first game week, captain in Jota, who got eight points. So could have easily been over 110 points in that game week. A game at rank of 220k. And I think, Tom, you on the other hand, didn't have Ben Rahm, didn't have Antonio, didn't have Fernandes, I don't think. Uh, or Salah, one or the other, and you know you, you really suffered and you you lost a lot of ground in the first game week, and it, it, I think that really can affect your mindset in the in the following game weeks. You're like, oh, I've already lost this much ground early on, can can be a bit of a shock. So I think going a bit template right at the start can be quite safe, but probably a sensible thing to do. Yeah, and look, look, I've done it two seasons in a row. Two seasons ago, I captain Mane over Salah. This season, I went Mane over Fernandez, Jack Harrison over um, Ben Rama. Because I just didn't want to go, even though everyone was going for a Ben Rama, I just didn't want to, and I didn't have Antonio, and yeah, it ruined me. And like, and that's why I was about two, about four, two mil work, like game week fifteen or something. So I was playing catch up from the start, 
that's not what you want. And this season, I'm definitely going to be going template. No, no silly picks. Um, because look, I don't know how the season's going to work with wild cards because we've got the World Cup. Will we have three, like a wild card in the World Cup? One at the start, one at the second season, or however it will be. But look, you normally, I know my strategy is normally to wild card after the first four game weeks. So you might as well go template, and then after four game weeks, you can wild card and go differential. But yeah, I'm. I'm I want to be in a good position at the start because it's very hard playing catch up and and yeah, the, like mindset wise and and stressfulness. It's there's a lot. I had to punt a lot to to catch my way up and and look. You don't always be doing that. It's good fun, but punting is not always the best thing. Um, and look, my last one is don't be afraid to take hits. Now look, well, I have a I have a good friend um, who who finished. Let me just check. I think he finished around the top 150k. He's in IFPL Punnets League and. And he won it one week, like the the highest scorer. Um, let me find, yeah, hardly athletic, Andy Crawley. And he did, and he got into 93k. And I'd always check his team each week, and and you know, me and him messaged a bit about it. And 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 he was taking hits a lot. And I was like, I'm surprised at the amount of hits you're taking this week. And 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 it paid off. I mean, look, finished top 100k. Maybe maybe he he did use a triple captain on Bowen instead of Salah when when Bowen got that 21 pointer. And, and it's like, look, you don't want to be afraid of those hits because you're taking them for a reason. If you think, really, you should be playing it. If whoever's going to get the most points, and obviously you want to look at long-term as well, but you should be bringing them in. If you think, like, you, you had a good feeling about Diaz, so we took a hit and brought him in. And look, I think that's the way this season it worked. It doesn't always work, but I think that's definitely something to take in for, for next season because you're taking in the hits to get, you should really be getting the best players in your team. And, and yeah, that's something I'm definitely going to look at more next season. But it is risky. But I think it's, yeah, and it makes FPL a bit more fun as well. And it doesn't limit yourself and it helps you get chase those points and, and get those, and especially with moving around the big hitters as well. You're going to need those minus points. So yeah, I just think it's an interesting strategy that, that he had and it and it worked out for him. So it's going to be something I look at personally next season myself. Yeah, I think an important caveat that comes with that is not neglecting, if you have one, the long-term strategy when you're making the hits. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, it's important to keep the long-term strategy going. Um, but yeah, I like what you said, Tom, and I touched upon decision-making earlier in the pods with the example of Danny Welbeck and um, Ivan Tony, and I think that's just another example. Normally, you know, you, you, you're going to regret the times where you don't back your, your instinct more than the times that you, um, you know, you, you're going to regret it more if you back what other people are saying and you make that decision and the person you backed, um, the person that you had a good instinct on um, does well, you know, so just just... Follow your instinct and make your own decisions. Um, you know, take information from other sources, but try your best and be aware if if other sources are swaying you too much. Just just have a, have a have an awareness of the effect other people are having on your decisions, and just try and stay as true to yourself as possible. I think. Yeah, and look and look, take yourself out of it if you need to. You know, take yourself off Twitter for a while or not watch the podcast. I think next season we're going to try and implement stats more into our decisions, like into our when we're reviewing players or. I'll be like, oh yeah, I think Kate, I think Son's good, but I, I, I'm, and I, I'm gonna try and back it up with more with stats because look, we we both watch a lot of games, which is good, and and personally, I'm gonna make I make the decisions off the games I watch normally, but I think for you guys to listen to, and it's just it's just better. We're we're trying to include more stats in, and it is good to look at stats. I think having a good balance of stats and the eye test is helpful, um, but like you said, at the end of the day, you have got to play it your own way and make, and make your own decisions, and don't be afraid because we've hyped up players a lot on the pod and. To be fair to us, we do go for a lot of different, and we do back the players normally. But there has been times, like you said, like the World Beck, and I can remember a lot of others where we've lost, we've missed out on a lot of points because we haven't been. 
I don't know if it's brave enough or we just haven't we just haven't wanted to fully commit to it and I think that's something we've, we've got to do next season um, but yeah look I don't have any more that I can think of off the top of my head Chris unless you do No I think it rounds us off nicely for the pod talking about the lessons learned over the course of season 2 of FPL Apprentices Tom it's been a pleasure to record the 43 episodes over the course of this season um, and we look forward to next season what is coming next season Tom Yeah um, so Obviously, we're both off to uni, but that does not mean the the podcast will be stopped. We'll be uh, we'll be getting our first episode out in July, Chris. Uh, probably after we come back from a nice holiday in Spain, we'll be nice and relaxed, and the game will be out, and we'll be in person again. Hopefully, a bit of less laughing from us both, and um, we're a bit more composed. But that'll be our first episode, um, and that'll be us building the draft of, on our shared team that like we did last time. That'll be exciting. Um, we're then looking to, to, to have a podcast with our two good friends, our two good guests, Alfie Winter and Ben Parker, reviewing the season in terms of football and FPL sort of wise. And look, we'll be looking to, to, to hit, if we can hit 43 episodes again, that'll be that'll be crazy. Obviously, the World Cup will be in, in the way, so we'll have to look at how we uh, sort of go through that. There's going to be a, a new intro, probably a new outro, Chris, and a new trailer. We'll, we'll have a new description and maybe even a new logo. Um, and, and there's going to be some new exciting parts of the pod. Look, we've got a month and a little bit to, to recharge, but to also spend some time looking at, at ways to improve the pod. And, and it's, there's definitely going to be a... We'll have the main, the main points, because that's what FPL point is, is about, you know, like the prediction game, that sort of thing. But, you know, we did something different last year of our shared team, and, and we're definitely looking to make things different next season and grow the pod and keep you guys entertained. And, you know, there'll be there'll be lots of big rewards, and, and we'll do the challenges, like the Mbumo versus... Uh, I can't remember what was the debate Mbuma versus Jesus that was it where, where Chris is donating a father to charity things like that just make it fun and engaging but look I think first we have to thank thank all you guys we had 45 people in our league and that's just unreal and for our second season podding look we're learning each week and I feel like we're, we're getting into a good routine and, and we've been a lot more committed this season um, but yeah no, it's been great fun and yeah I, I can't wait for next season Chris it's exciting yeah, as you mentioned, we're we're looking to to grow the pod as much as we can to improve, um, you know, our own performances on the pod as much as we can. But we're also looking to do the same on our FPL team. FPL Prince's joint team will be back next season, and we will be pushing to go even higher. And I think from the lessons we've learned this season, uh, I think we we will be pushing to get top one hundred k next year, uh, and we will try our best to do that. Yeah. So please join us next season, next July. We'll start us. We'll start the season three. Tom, be mm. great. Yeah, for sure. And look, I think look, the best way to, to round it off is that everyone, the advice we, we can give and, and we're going to take ourselves is do take a break. You know, it's hard about football, but take two weeks, take three weeks recharging. I'm sure the game will be out early July. If you want to go on straight away, do that. But yeah, do take two weeks away. I know a lot of podcasts I listen to will, will, be, will be having a break, which is good. And it's what you need to recharge because look, the season's long and tough, but I'm hyped. I'm, I'm hyped already. And and like you said, we're going to put a lot of time and effort in, into the pod and, and, and making it good and, and looking to looking to get a few more guests on as well. I know we said that last year and we will, we will aim to do it more this year. Hopefully we'll be have a bit more time or we'll be more planned out. But now nah, I think that, yeah, the best way to end it is, yeah, have a great, great summer break. Um, and, and we will see you in season three. Thanks for the support, everyone, and, and, and see you in season three. Thanks, everyone. See you later.